Like at the end of the day, you're doing something that's so powerful that you can take something that's blank, put it out in the world and shift the world. Mm. That's an extremely powerful gift. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. We all want the same thing out of this art life. We want to be financially free, provide for ourselves based on our talents. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you want the normal stuff like a house, you know, vacation every once in a while, keep gas in the car, you know, just don't have to worry. Just let our talents provide for us. But then ultimately, we want to be creatively free to be able to make what we feel like we're moved to make. Whatever moves you to pick up the pencil, pick up the paintbrush, pick up the clay, whatever it is. It's important that we get to get that off our chest in a responsible way, not a Kanye West way, (laughs) not not that kind of way, but in a way where we're speaking for ourselves and to our people. And that's why it's important to talk to people like our guest today, Kevin Williams, a.k.a. Wack. Well, know and love him. He's had a long, successful career. You got to go way back into the archive, way back to episode three of the podcast, single digits, (laughs) single digits. He was there right from the beginning. And five years later, we find Kevin getting ready for his latest solo show, the second annual that he says, if not us who at Mint Gallery opening November 5th, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. We talk about managing your brand as an artist, copywriting, betting on yourself, staying relevant over time. And it's a good story about how he builds his narratives for his amazing work. It's always great to talk to Kevin. He drops jewels all over the place. It's going to it's a wonderful conversation. I'm, I know y'all are going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited for you. Honestly. <laughs> I'm excited for you to listen to this stuff. Honestly, it's Studio Noise, the voice of black art, bringing you the very best in contemporary black art. Follow us on the socials at Studio Noise Podcast. And this season, I'd like to hear more from you, not on some, you know, analytics engagement type of stuff. You know, this your boy don't do nothing like that. <laughs> your boy don't do nothing like that. As far as I know, it's just me and you listening to this podcast anyway. But yes, I want to I want to hear from you. I want to know what you like. I want to know what you like more of. I want to know, like, what can I do better? I want to know if you like the questions, like who's your favorite guest? All that stuff. I just want to get to know you. Just holler at your boy. I want to make sure I get to hear from all of you. Get your feedback and work into the show. It's the only way to get better, yo. Nice, a nice, good old critique. Think of it as a good old critique <laughs> for, the, for the podcast, yo. So you can hit me up on DM on the social. You can go to the website, studionoisepodcast.com. You can hit your boy up at J Barber Studio on social media, too. Like, whatever it is, just get in touch with your boy. Let me know what you're feeling. Let me know if you're excited for us to be back for season eight. If you'd like to support the show a little bit more, uh, why don't you go ahead and join our Patreon? Every little bit that you give helps keep the show going. And I sure do appreciate it. But this is a one man show. And, you know, any little help, I I really, really, really can't tell you how much it means to me. Pretty soon you might be able to catch me at Black Art in America Gallery. Me and Kevin showed up there uh, during one of the openings, hanging out, having a good old time. It's a great place to go see some art, relax, 
enjoy some good people, enjoy some good art, all that good stuff. I even saw they're hosting the Georgia Roots Farmers Market on Saturdays. <laughs> That's pretty amazing too, yo. I gotta go there, give me some, give me some fresh fruit, some juices or something. <laughs> I saw that they do it over there. It's always good. Want to always support the fam. Go check them out. 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. BlackArtInAmerica.com. Make sure you always support the fam. Now, sit back, relax. Think about two people you know that got some of them whack classic prints on the wall. <laughs> I know my grandma had one in her bathroom, yo. <laughs> they everywhere. They everywhere. Big shout out to Kevin. Reach out and let them know. We got the artist. We got Kevin Williams. We got whack right here. Back. On the Studio Noise podcast. It's the noise, baby. Right after the break, it's Kevin Williams. It's the noise. Yes. This is Deborah Grayson. I am a printmaker, and you are listening to the Studio Noise podcast. All right, it's your boy Jay Barber, Studio Noise, back at you, always bringing you the very best in black art. This is the voice of black art. You already know. You tune in. You know what it is. And got a special guest with us. A guest back, coming back after a long, long time. If you go way back in the Wayback Machine to like the third episode of Studio Noise, there's like 160 something. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been keeping it going, but my man, Kevin Williams, a.k.a. Wack, the great legendary goats, back with us. How you doing, man? Man, I'm beautiful, brother. It's good to be here. You know, it's always a pleasure being in your presence and, uh, you know, with, the, with your audience, man. So, yeah. That's what's up, man. Great day. Yeah. My man, Kevin, man, I always keep track of this guy. This guy's great for advice, great for tips, great for mentorship, man. Great to see him always building and striving, man, doing big things all the time, man. You know when you ever see Kevin out. You know it's either money on the line or, or some big time is out happening in the, in the ether, man. It's such a bad reputation, right? <laughs> but no, nah, that's good stuff. You can find him. His art, his website is www.artbywack.com on Instagram at artbywack. Um, and he has a solo show coming up. If Not Us Who, opening November 5th at Mint Gallery, solo exhibition. The second time you've been in the Mint space. That's right, yeah, it's part two. Part two, yo. Yeah. Tell, tell us about like your mind state right now getting ready for a solo show. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of hectic. You know, when you have a, um, a pretty vast catalog uh, like I have, it's, it's, it's kind of like, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? What do you want to present to people? And, you know, overall, I try to create things that are just impactful. Um, but also at the same time, you're trying to, you know, deal with the economic piece as well and yeah. make sure that you address that. So I do the really personal work first. And then I just, you know, create other imagery that I think people may want to actually see. So uh, it's kind of like a split personality when it comes down to getting ready for exhibition for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's coming up. So like how far, how many pieces can you expect? This is going to drop right before the, okay. the opening of the show. So how many pieces are you thinking of preparing? Or do you have a goal in mind or are you just kind of making as much as you can? I'm, I'm just working all the way to the wire. 
you know, I, I have, unfortunately, I don't get to the three lifetimes of work that I have designed. <laughs> so I try to just kind of pick and choose what I think uh, it speaks to me at the time, really. So, you know, the concept is an umbrella concept that kind of just mm-hmm. reaches over everything that I create. So it's not like a specific narrative uh, other than um, just responsibility as a culture to save oneself. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so everything I create kind of falls under that umbrella. Anyway. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we know how whack give yeah, it up, yeah, yo. Yeah. Whack, whack make them legendary <laughs> pieces uh, that you think of when you think of black art in particular. And so having such a long career, having such a le- legendary career like you do, I, I don't know many people that have been as successful or as prolific as you like over this period of time. And that's a compliment to Thank you. you and your work, your talent, uh, the work ethic, your business acumen, all of that. How is it different now approaching a solo show as compared to when you first started where you weren't even necessarily focused on having shows in the way that mm-hmm. we think about shows? Well, I think what's so different now is that like when you're in a building process, you know, you're out there marketing and promoting, you know, as well as trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Now it's more legacy based. Uh, so you want to create an experience for people um, that'll last them a lifetime and that they can translate to others and say, OK, yeah, I remember when I was at this event mm-hmm. and, you know, this this brother was doing this type of work and he was known at this, you know, in this level and we were able to experience it in person. And so now it's actually creating an experience for people, not necessarily looking at the market or other creators or other galleries, um, but to, you know, really stake a level of independence uh, as a creative, just to show the freedom that you can have if you kind of bankroll something yourself Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, if I just do the the show myself, before it was out of, um, it just kind of, that that was the only option I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, you know, galleries weren't hitting my phone in the capacity that I wanted them to to offer the showings that I thought I was worthy of. So I said, okay, I'll just finance it myself and, and do it myself. And so in the process of doing that, I realized how much freedom I had. Mm-hmm. And so that freedom became more the focal point. Like, man, I'm free to actually deal with these narratives. I'm free to switch up if I want to do a beautiful sister on one piece and then address gun violence on another. You know, I'm free to just kind of do what I want to do organically as an artist. And, and I'm investing myself. And when you see that money go out the door, you know, it, it, can, it can be a little intimidating because it's not cheap to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, the beauty of it is that other creatives can see that it, that's an option. Mm-hmm. If it comes down to it, I tell creatives, you're going to have to bet on yourself. So if you even if you did it on a smaller scale, you're able to at least show the public your intent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes galleries and curators and people need to just see your intent. And they may can't get that with one piece in a group show or two pieces over here or at a festival or, you know, you know, certain things. So sometimes it's just a matter of just saying, hey, look, this is an option um, and this is how you can do it. Um, and I just think that that's important for the uh, the ecosystem of our industry. It's just to just not not a shot at any particular part of our infrastructure. It's just to say why not if you feel like you're do that. Why, you could even collaborate with two or three other artists. 
and put your money together, mm-hmm. you know, and make it happen. Um, hey, instead of buying this painting, why don't you finance this show for me? Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah. a collector. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's different ways to kind of get this piece done. So no, nah, I, I like that, and and that kind of thinking because it makes you understand the ecosystem better. Right. Because yes. you have to know that somebody is fronting the money. That person is the A. Right. 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 right? At the top. <laughs> Somebody's fronting the money, getting everything in order. You are making the art, right, your relationship to the A. Right. The the person that's in charge, that is behind everything. Your relationship to that person determines what your success is also going to be. Correct. Because that person has a lot of control once they start funding stuff. You right. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they come to you and they say, yo, this is my building. Mm-hmm. These are my people I'm bringing in. Right. This is my marketing budget. Exactly. You get X. And yeah. there's nothing you can say about it. As it's much as you want to argue, with, unless you don't do yeah. it. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? yeah. So, that, it creates a, 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 a scenario where a majority of creatives, even if they have representation, are kind of rep- are creating in a box like mm-hmm. you're still kind of restrained you know either you're enslaved to what's been successful for you up to this point or you're enslaved to what people or what they think people want to see right you understand yeah. what i'm saying yeah and so our artists i think has to have the liberty to just go left when they want to go left i think that that's how you grow that's how you evolve if you can't just step out and take a chance you know, and you got to keep, if I say, okay, I'm going to put a crown on this piece and it sells and they say, okay, put a crown on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I don't want to put a crown on everybody. Yeah. You know what I'm that saying? That decision so then, is out of right. your hands if you, exactly. don't, you don't have control. Yeah. Nah, that's, that's a great point, man. Because a lot of people will get stuck when, and we've heard stories, you know what I'm saying, of people that are not making the kind of work they want to make because- yeah. That's not what people are demanding from them. Yeah. <laughs> Who are these people? Right. <laughs> and why do they have so much control over? And what I do think you make? it's dope for a season. I mean, right. as a business person, as a creative, you have to make a decision. How are you going to get to that next tier? Mm-hmm. And so, if you if that's how you get to that next tier, then that's kind of like a sacrifice fly to get your person where you're trying to get them to. Mm-hmm. But you have to kind of keep mindful that this is a season. Mm-hmm. And at what point do you turn back and become even more true to the art? You know, um, and I think that's a dilemma for all of us, including myself. It's it's just like I know where to sell of my work, but mm-hmm. do I just go to my go to or do I try <laughs> something different or what? And so it's a trade off for me. It's like three to one, like for every three pieces I do for, let's say, the industry or the market or, you know, uh, the 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 as a commodity. Then there's one piece that I just have to do that I'm very unsure about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel butt naked out there, and here it is. And I don't know if you're gonna like it or not, but I don't even care because I just wanted to create it. Right. Yeah. And so, do you get uh, at this point? I mean, you created. Uh, we talked before about how you have just in your catalog like sixty some pieces that right. are constantly in rotation and are constantly printing offset prints. G clays, all this stuff, open editions that you just keep going. And you've had them going on for years, all the way back to your beauty shop series. Right. right. Um, what's the difference in how you create and how you feel about it when it is for freedom and when it's for the market? Or, or do you see a difference in how you approach it? Um, I think that 
like all of my creative conceptual work is is like personal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just that if something comes through and and because of my history, I know that that's going to be a piece that's going to hit really hard. Right. Then at that point, you know, my my you know, my meter is going to turn on and say, "Okay, <laughs> hey, look, you, you know, know, yeah. Yeah, this piece can earn, you know, X amount of dollars. You know, as well. It's yeah. a great piece. It came to me, and and, and I almost have anxiety because I'm glad it came to me. And I'm like, let me paint it before it go, comes to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's how strong it is. So that type of energy is way different than something that just you're obsessed with. It just keeps revisiting you. And you know, recently I had a piece that kept doing that, and I didn't understand the piece at all. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and paint it. And when I put it in front of society, society connected with it. And it was one of the most rewarding things for me because I didn't understand what the painting was saying to me when it came to me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Which one was it? This is the, uh, the, the painting on the uh, guns uh, mm, with the ballerina. Right, right. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. understand the ballerina. Yeah. And so once I got into the paint I realized that the ballerina wasn't an individual, but the ballerina was a representation of peace in a mm. human form. And as a dancer is able to, uh, to use their bodies to, uh, to uh, express emotion and sensitivity. It was the contrast of the use of firearms uh, and, you know, the killings and murders and mass shootings. And I felt like we had become desensitized as a culture and as a, as, as a human race almost. Um, and we just kind of keep on going to the next thing, you know? And so when the painting, as it developed, I realized that everything meant what it, what it meant. Right. But I didn't understand it when it came as the vision, it was very odd. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to just paint it. <laughs> and so, you know, we'll see. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the piece that's starting to come where the artist coming to me from the same avenue, um, the same like spiritual connection, like vision. But at the same time, it's not staying at that point. Mm -hmm. As I start to create it, the paintings are not now telling me what they need. And they're they're changing kind of midway through. It's like before it would just come and then I'll just paint it. Now, like halfway through, it's like, okay, take this element out and then I'm stuck for a minute. And I'll go through this level of of high frustration where, you know, one piece for the show, for the exhibition, like I literally almost broke this piece in half because I was so, (laughs) so frustrated because a colleague had just done a great piece and it had an element in it that was in the piece that I was creating. Mm-hmm. But I had shot the reference for my piece back in April when I visited Chicago. And I had to take this element out because I didn't want it to read similar to this, to the colleague's piece. Right. And so I was frustrated because it was a great element in the painting. But I'm like, okay, am I changing my, you know what I'm saying? Because this, this brother did his, you know? And I said, yeah, I'm gonna have to change it. <laughs> So I'm trying to figure out what to change it to. So, you know, I'm going through it. I'm 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 agitated. I'm snapping on people. You know, I'm like really in a bad place. And I leave out 
And every morning when I commute to take my daughter to school, there's a bunch of people walking and riding bikes. And, and I said, boom, there it is. And when it showed itself to me and it was a bike, I said, okay, wow. Okay, 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 okay. And so I got really excited because yeah. I'm like, okay, it's a bike. So now the story changed. So now it's like, okay, here's a father and son that's spending the weekend together. And he wants to teach his son how to ride a bike. So he brings him a bike. But the flip side is he doesn't have a car, so he rides the train. So he rides the train with this bike that's a gift for his son for his basically his visitation day. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I said, okay, let me go to a MARTA station since I'm not in Chicago or New York. Let me go to a MARTA station. I go to the MARTA station, and I'm Googling, where do I buy the, the, a bike? What's the nearest place to me that sells bikes? It was a Walmart. Right. So I go to Walmart. I pull a bike out. I grab a bow out the gift aisle. I put a bow <laughs> on the handle. I shoot my reference in Walmart. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, this brother would have had to get this bike walking right. and then walk to the train with it. So now the, the evolution to the storytelling is just way different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's more immersive, but it's really dope how organic it is and 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 i'm excited about create creating like at this season to still be excited about art is is pretty deep for me um because there's seasons where i kind of get numb to it Mm. um so to be excited yeah um and then i I don't care for embarrassment so i don't (laughs) i don't want like half the map coming to my show and it's like yeah it's like you know so i really want something that you know people right people can like really witness yeah something and go tell people what they witness i I love i love that story because because your work is so narrative and uh i always wondered like how much of the narrative do you even have in mind when you're painting it but it sounds like from this you have it in mind from the very beginning, like even as you going through the concept that is important yeah. to your process to have that narrative with it. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, I think the storytelling is uh, when it when it aligns with your personal life, it's, it's, it's easier. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't, it's harder to kind of um, decode it mm-hmm. as it's coming through because, yeah. you know, I'm married children are in the house you know what i'm saying so it's different when i'm working on a painting that now goes from that to a single uh, a, a brother that's in a uh uh that's that's a single father and he's having his his weekend mm-hmm. and and now the embrace between him and the child is not wanting to let each other go you know what i'm saying till the next time they see each other so yeah. it changes everything yeah yeah no i love that man i love it Thank i you. love to see you i love to see this kind of passion like, oh, still, <laughs> like after all this time i mean you've been doing it basically almost your yeah. whole life right yeah a like, lifetime yeah, yeah so you know sure. since 16 when you was you know let's yeah. the first episode if y'all ain't heard it 16 walking up and down the streets yeah. of chicago like like boots and paintings trying to <laughs> trying to trying to get it in like I appreciate like yeah. all of that stuff, and even now to have that like after all this time, like and when a lot of ups and downs in your career, yeah. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know the um, I don't feel I I feel like it was a season of being invisible and then being seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's really downs, uh, if I can put it that way. I think that your challenges that you are presented with condition you to kind of have the skin you need to develop to survive in the terrain that you're in 
I think if you don't have those challenging seasons, then you can't survive when trauma actually comes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when things come, you have to be able to survive that and get on the other side of it. I think that um, I knew that there was nothing going to be handed to me. So I had to develop aggression, become more aggressive. Um, just as a person, my, 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 my natural personality before I became an artist was definitely more shy and reserved. Um, but because of having to build, I had to become more of a hunter. Mm. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. And so part of hunting is killing. Like at some point you're going to get aggressive. You have to, you have to eat, you know? So, um, you know, you become more tactical, you know, you become more crafty, you become more shrewd because mm -hmm. you're trying to understand how do I get what I need to get? And it doesn't, hurt my love for the art you know what i'm saying because that business piece can kill the art piece like you can get so frustrated about the economics and the money and the whatever that you you know i've, I've known artists that stopped painting for almost a decade because they just didn't get the money that they mm. were supposed to get you mm -hmm. know from relationships and it just it, it killed their heart for the art and I'm glad to see that, that that personal individual, you know, he's back painting and he's and he's on fire and it's beautiful to see. That's good. But, you know, he went through a long season that he just didn't even work. So um, the challenges of it, um, you know, some of the things that came with, you know, making a substantial amount of money as an artist, um, business relationship, partnerships. I mean, you know, you may go through something simple. You may go through a death row type scenario <laughs> like I did. Um, but, you know, you get a lot of money involved and it's a lot, it's a lot going on. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of fake smiles. It's a lot of fake love. It's a lot that comes from that. And then, you know, it took a, a, a mentor of mine, uh, Annie Lee, who in the middle of that, you know, told me to go get a canvas. And she said, you know, art got you into this, art to get you out of this. Mm. And it was profound. Um, and she said, you know, don't fight over that work, that catalog. You know, she said, it's just a, 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 a blink of your career. It's not your whole career. Mm -hmm. And those words really saved my life because my natural instinct was, you know, coming to a, a pinnacle of, 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 you know, physical you know, it was like, you know, I want to do something to him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. yeah. it was threatening my whole livelihood. Yeah, I can imagine. taking something I created and then just saying, okay, we're going to just throw this out to the wolves, literally. And then, you know, That's I even wild. had people who on one minute would just say, oh, you, I put my kids through college selling your work and then telling me, hey, it's just business. I'm going to support your ex-business partner and not you. Mm. And so that created a shrewdness in me because I said, okay, it's just business. Mm -hmm. Cool. Now yeah. I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so let me, as in Rome, let me do what the Romans do. And so I became tactical. I figured out who was competitors with whom. And I empowered those competitors. And, you know, that's just how it went. <laughs> A lot of people went out of business behind that. Hey, but when that's you, what you had to do. are, you know, trying to snuff out something that's that's just naturally as an artist, I mean, it's just something that's naturally beautiful. It's something that starts as a child. It's just, you know, you're sowing into it and, and feeding into it for decades, decades. And then 
you know, business people say, okay, let's just take this and run with it. Mm. You know, so then that 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 changes your that can change your heart. And like I said, so for me to protect my heart and still love art, like really love art at this point is such a beautiful thing. It's it's the most precious thing I have at this point in my life. It's not the success. It's not none of that. It's it's that I still love it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the beauty. Yeah. 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 And you're still able to do so well with it. Like yeah. after all this time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that like, doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that goes hand in hand. That goes hand in hand. <laughs> right, and, right, and right. I love, talk about business a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because part of me from what I know about you and your story and how you operate, the business part of it is such a, a great part of it to think about. Like I brought you out to my class mm-hmm. at Georgia State. Kevin came out Thank t- you. to my life drawing class. I really dropped some jewels on the kids uh, and really got them thinking about like copywriting, mm-hmm. like who owns your imagery and how you use that to benefit yourself, not just somebody else. Cause somebody else, like you just said, they think it's just business. Yeah. Like you got this thing, like how can we mass produce it product, make a profit out of it mm. and cut you out of it completely. Right. And you can't do that. And like the way that you've been able to hold on to, uh, your copyrights and how you, how you, I, I want to say wield it in a different in in a way, but you do use it to your advantage, right? To your advantage, right? <laughs> like more than anything. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 more so that I'm a believer. My philosophy is this: as a creative, you create it, right? When you bring it to the table as a as a product, okay then you become the representative for yourself as the creative, mm-hmm. okay? So you're not just the creative, now you're the representative and the creative, okay? And as a representative, now you're putting your work in front of that next individual and saying, okay, do you want to do business together, okay? That language is very important, not if I just sign with you, you know, you own me for X amount of years, it's, 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 it's deeper than that. Even in that, here's the artwork that I'm going to create in this relationship. This artwork that I create in this relationship, I'm going to retain all copyright to. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That should be in every creative contract out the gate. I don't care how uh, obsolete you are or relevant. You know, because when it hits, it's, it's you can't change that contract after it hit. You know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Yeah. But yeah. before it hit, nobody knows. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But these are things that can generate um sometimes millions of dollars um in merchandise, uh, multiples, uh licensing, usage, movies. I mean, it, it goes on and on. Um, just to give you um, some background, there was a sculptor named Frederick Hart. And Frederick Hart um, used to do these amazing sculptures, okay? And they used, uh, with Al Pacino and um, what's the guy's name um, from Speed and... Um, uh, Ke- Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 
they did a movie called Devil's Advocate, right? They 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 were acting in that movie, and in that movie, Al Pacino plays the devil, and one of the scenes, yeah. right? He kills himself in his office, but in his office behind his desk is this sculpture that starts moving, right? They hadn't paid Frederick Hart for licensing to put his sculptures in that movie. Okay. They didn't pay him. They didn't pay him. Mm. So he sued him. And his attorney sued him for the usage of it and how they used it. That you use it without my permission. You showed a suicide in front of it. Mm. Okay. And you had it moving in a demonic way. He received $30 million. Wow. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how important wow. licensing is. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. So that 30 mil could have went to the the handler or the gallery. Mm-hmm. If the artist didn't understand, I have rights to my creativity. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that's just like one of, one of the major examples I can pull out of of understanding the 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 value of licensing and copyright. Yeah. Um, I learned, you know, um, in a very simple way. Um, I just basically wrote somebody an invoice and I had on there that it was an image was sold as a promotional for promotional use only as a poster. I wrote that on the invoice. I saw it later being used in a different capacity and I asked why is that image on a shopping bag? Mm. And the reaction because we were standing there in person was he got nervous. And so I said, oh. Something's he said, just wrong, send yeah. me an invoice. <laughs> I said, okay, cool. So I sent an invoice for twice as much as what I got paid, which I was getting paid when I created the piece. I was getting paid in 30 days, which took probably 45, 50 days before I got my check. Yeah. When I sent the invoice after I saw that bag, that check was there in three days. <laughs> right? So I said, okay. I knew they had messed up. Something wrong. Yeah. I never consulted an attorney. I just was reading his reaction. And for the next seven years, they kept doing it in different capacities. I kept invoicing them. And every year I would go up on that invoice. Right? And they kept paying it. And so eventually they said, well, what is it going to cost for us to buy all the rights to it? Yeah, so I sold them the rights, you know. <laughs> but you know, that's how I learned. Yeah, you know, I was I was fortunate. Yeah, nah, that's a that's a great way to do it. Yeah, that you, I, and I think when you talk about being a, aggressive, I would say assertive mm-hmm. about how you how people are using your rights, mm-hmm. right, and how people are basically trying to take advantage of like using your imagery on whatever they feel like it because they got it for this other thing. Yeah, and not expecting you to be to step to him and be like, yo, this is not what we agreed on. Mm-hmm. Like, so that part of that control, man, that's a story that everybody need to listen to. Yeah. Like, and really pay attention to. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's just, it's, it's important. Cause like I said, a lot of creatives just don't know. I don't have a law degree or, or anything like that. Um, it's, it's just that once you see something and you understand, then, you know, I started implementing that and, and everything that I did past that point, obviously, because yeah. I knew, especially when I dealt with major you know, organizations or companies and things like that. I knew that that would be in my verbiage that, you know, you know, I retain the rights to yeah. it, you know. Nah, that makes sense, man. That makes sense. And so when you were in the class, one part I really stressed out to him, stressed to him after where you were going to, 
It's like, listen to the story. Listen to how the money works when you come to the print game. Like, listen to how he's interacting and keeping his copyright. But also, pay attention to the quality of the work. Mm-hmm. Because if the work wasn't the quality that it was, it doesn't matter. Right. Because <laughs> nah, nobody you, wants to use it. Yeah, you got 100% of nothing. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's... it's uh, <laughs> I think you definitely. I think that's what kind of gets lost in the success of it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm mentoring a beautiful uh, talent right now, young young lady, and she's she's doing her thing. And I asked her why she chose me to be her mentor, and she said, you know, because of the business. And I said, yeah, that's great. I said, but you have to have something to sell. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the number yeah. one thing. <laughs> the number one thing is having a good product. Yeah, yeah. an yeah, exceptional great, product. Yeah, great product. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is Fabian Williams, a.k.a. Occasional Superstar, and you're listening to Studio Noise. It's smart. Yeah. And so as you're going and you're still like making work, you can tell just from your early paintings, um, the one where uh, the guy's picking up the girl, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And the ones where, you know, the footsteps, like mm-hmm. uh, the beauty shop stuff, even fast forward to now where you're doing uh, the James Baldwin piece. I mm-hmm. remember last, last, um, last show you did, the technique is getting better. Right, the technique yeah. is getting more and more solid. Like you're adding more and more layers to it. Yeah, well, like, I'm painting. You know, the earlier work was um, the very early work, the mid '90s, was airbrush. So that's like aerosol, and then with a hand painted acrylic background. Now I'm pretty much a f- uh, full oil painting. Mm-hmm. Um, so mediums have changed. Uh, knowledge has changed. Um, markets have changed you know you get more more visibility on you then you get more criticism too so you know i study a lot you know i still study i still challenge myself um on a regular basis um just constant you know so i think that um you know the evolution of the of the work like i believe art is organic it should evolve like i have seasons in my career that i love my artwork but i didn't feel like i could stay there you know well if i stay here forever then it's gonna become dated you know yeah so i'd rather quit it before it quit me you know that type of thing so um you know i think that it's um yeah definitely studying i have colleagues like yourself who have shown me uh different techniques um from painters to faux finishers. I mean, I've had people, you know, I, I'll tap into anybody that's, you know, that's willing to show me something because I'm always trying to add to my repertoire. I have a decent one. Um, fortunately, I, I my high school art instructor gave us pretty much a fine art um, fundamental background. So I did a little bit of everything in the two years I studied under him. And, um, you know, my drawings and things like that are the same thing I was doing, you know, back then, you know, 30 plus years ago. So yeah. it was just kind of crazy that I kept doing the same thing. I, it just evolved. You know, it was, I didn't try to necessarily change it. I knew that it was for the most part kind of classical. Um, I just knew I had to get better at it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and you have. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and you have. Like, you can see, I don't know, it's, it's something about, like, the level of finish that you're able to put onto a work. That's always amazing. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, always thank amazing. You. So now you're getting into the more abstract stuff. Like you, like you said, you came to me. I showed you some carving techniques. So now you're, like, carving uh, mediums on top of it and then painting on top of it. Like, where are these ideas coming from? Oh, is it is it pure experimentation or like do you have like a direction that you feel? You know, I, I just like things to be visually, um, I guess I want to say stunning for lack of better words. I like when people are in front of some of art, especially my art. I like for it to be like really exquisite. Mm-hmm. And I know because they usually see some level of replica or reproduction that when they're in front of the actual original work, I want them to respect it. Like I really want it to show well so i think for me i know that texture is like a great thing uh for paintings i like to see it in my own work i like it in other work um um you know it's uh i like an area of 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 spontaneity in work um because you know once you start working towards a realistic realm not even like not hyper realism but just a realism um silhouette um Work can get kind of boring, mm, yeah, uh, and lose its emotion. A lot of times, you can literally paint somebody crying, and if it's too, too tight, too realistic, you can't even feel like they're crying. You know, you're so yeah. busy looking at how amazing they did the pores <laughs> in the skin. So, yeah, you know, it can be a distraction. So, I think um, for me, I want an area of of error and and exaggeration and inconsistency and spontaneity in the work um, that I can't control. Like I literally want a a level of fear when I'm creating it Mm -hmm. um, that I don't know what's going to happen. I just have to react to it or adjust to it. I'm not controlling the pain. At some point the pain is controlling me, you know, or the work of art. Yeah. 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 Well, what, what work have you seen that, that made you feel that way? Like made you feel like, yo, this guy's really got it. Yeah, see, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to come off any kind of way like, no, because no, I look at just art going, constantly yeah, and I'm yeah. constantly loving art and I love it for what it is. But I, I'm not sure that I, I, I kind of react to art that way. Yeah? No. I mean, but I've like, you know, going to Rome and seeing, you know, Sistine <laughs> Chapel and wasn't impressed. So I'm somebody that's, you know, because I was like, oh, I thought it was bigger. You know, it was just kind of, you know, like like Michelangelo sculptures, I can say it's something that really, like really like floored me when I was in front of it. Right. Because I studied it so much when I was uh, working on my own anatomy in my work. I studied his sculptures. I didn't study painting. And because I felt like the sculptures like literally had breath in them, like I could mm-hmm. I could look at them and feel like the 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 oxygen in them, and it was like blowing me away. And so that's when I translated into my figure in my work was I wanted you to feel the figure more than you looked at it. I want you to feel it, then see it. Yeah. And I got that from when I really went over to Europe and and in different places and started traveling and seeing some of the work I seen in books in person. Yeah. And and. And it stuck with me. You know, it was like, oh, okay, well, there's levels. And so I knew that that was the next level. There's accuracy. That's mm-hmm. a level. Mm-hmm. And then there's from within out. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a level. And that's what impressionistic and abstract and different styles of work that I've seen, that's what they were doing. They were working from the inside out. Yeah. And I didn't understand that earlier in my career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, that, that's right. You always get a, that one thing about grad school taught me that I wasn't looking at enough artwork, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, you know, being here in Atlanta, if you are an Atlanta artist, you can get caught up in doing the next show at, you know, Aviation Center or somewhere yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, you know, that's, yeah, your, that's your goal. Sexy. That's, you know, yeah. it's the art is sexy in <laughs> yeah, Atlanta. You know, it's, a, it's so many people making so much <laughs> stuff out there that if yeah. you, you can kind of get too focused on like where you are, just being better than the next person on the next block and not realize yeah. like you're competing in a world where yeah, you, you're competing tons of artists. Yeah, you're competing in a, in a, in a it's a global, it's a global, um, <laughs> it's a global game. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you, I think even like with your work, I, I can honestly say this, not because we're sitting here, like it's it's prepped to compete globally. And that's that's extremely important. And one of the things that I've been trying to really advocate since I've become more sociable in Atlanta is that we're conscious of the whole market. You know, like if you got juice here, it's almost it's that's cool, but now you have art and art entities coming into Atlanta yeah. showing to collectors in yeah. Atlanta because, you know, I believe that there's not enough energy yet um, within the creative market to really challenge ourselves and say, okay, that's cool, but let's go further, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes it's going to take taking that work and getting outside of Atlanta with it and then getting another measure of, they may not love you in Arizona, but you <laughs> yeah. may need to feel that so you can come back to your studio in Atlanta and go harder. Yeah. But if you just here and everybody love you and everything is dope and everything is cool and everything, okay, cool. How am I going to fare, you know, fare in New York? Yeah. Or LA yeah. or Miami? Yeah. You know, how do you grow? I think that's, that, that's the, that's the real. Nah, yeah, that's true. Cause UTA is now moving into the space, bringing in other artists. Uh, yeah, just it's all kind of private yeah. dinner parties, all yeah, kind of stuff. Happening, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these all these people, man, they need to call your boy. Like they, yeah. they you know, they they all hold up in their little groups, man. They they are real. Well, art. I think the groups is the groups is a is that's 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 another part of the problem. The city itself needs to be the group, mm-hmm. you know. There you and go. when you take the city and the group is the entire city, you know, you'll grow more. I think aligning yourself with other powerful forces than you will as an independent or individual that doesn't. My creative relationships reach around the world uh, with some of the dopest artisans I've ever witnessed. Um, But we have a similar um, bond of respect for one another's work. And it's crazy because they can come here for a private dinner and the invitation to come from the artist. But the Atlanta artist industry never reached out for the invitation. Mm, you understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's a problem. You know, who do you know? Are you really seeing who's actually here? And then say, okay, hey, look, we need to be bringing in an outside artist from another city when we're doing our group shows. It shouldn't be the same six artists. You know, in Atlanta, let's add a seventh artist from. LA, yeah. from New Orleans, yeah. you know, from Iowa, from wherever, you know, and bring that talent in so that an outside entity isn't bringing it in. Yeah. And so when you box people out, then that's when innovation 
starts to develop. And innovation, you know, you can ask Best Buy, I mean, uh, Blockbuster and <laughs> whoever else how innovation works. You know, innovation <laughs> innovation changed the whole game. Yeah, you can't, so, you can't stop it. You and that get happens ready. from yeah. not being inclusive, not talking to the next generation that's coming through mm-hmm. and saying, okay, well, well, how do you guys move? What do you do? Yeah. And you're good at that, like connecting with like artists all over. Yeah. Like I didn't a, have that as much coming up. Really? You know what I'm saying? Nah. Like, and in terms of you developing your career, you didn't have. Like, I had a couple of elders from the previous generation that embraced me, but the majority didn't. Mm. And that can be, like I said, extremely dangerous when something new is coming through. You know, um, there was a moment even within Atlanta where tattoo artists weren't being um, acknowledged as artists mm-hmm. when they would go into a two dimensional you know, um, uh, um, presentation of their work. When they get on canvas or paper, they weren't weren't regarded as actual artists in the artist market. They were just looked at as tattoo artists because of what they did on skin. Yeah. So one of the first things that I was doing was making my work available to show in group showings that they had. You know what I'm saying? Just to bring some level of um, acceptance and support to what they were doing. But I knew that they had the in crowd. They had the, you know, they had the energy. Yeah. They had the yeah. image. You yeah. know, they had the, you know, where people wanted to be there. It was exciting, yeah. way more exciting than, you know, a traditional gallery show. And so I started to to create these alliances and these relationships with that market, you know, um, and I had very close friendships with a brother here, uh, Maya Bailey. Who yeah, big shout out to Maya, yeah. I'm actually having solo shows now. Maya gave me the opportunity to have my first solo show in Atlanta. I, was, I had been here 20 years, you know, but I was getting a tattoo in his chair and he was like, man, I'm opening up this new space. Can you open it for me? And that's how that happened. Wow. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's what's up. So now we on our third show, you know, because he, he made me feel welcome in Atlanta. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the pandemic hit and then it was like, okay, now, now we on number three. Now it's almost turned into an annual, yeah. you know, thing. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of dope how things evolve. But, you know, like I said, it, it all came from embracing something that wasn't being embraced. Yeah. Nah, that's real. And, and you know, big shout out to mine. We got to get yeah. him on the podcast too. For sure. To talk to him. <laughs> um, so tell, tell me, we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about collectors mm-hmm. and the, like the mind state and having stuff available for them. Like in how how you want people to look at the originals compared to the the G clays or the reproductions that you have. Um, how are you thinking about that as you're making your work? I don't really think about it when I'm making my work. It's like a, it's more of an afterthought, mm-hmm. you know, um, unfortunately certain levels of the market, I don't prefer to put inventory into that market because it's harder to protect it. Mm. Um, which is the affordable work, you know? <laughs> so, unfortunately, that kind of starts happening. Um, and I'm hoping, up going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. and you can't, you, can't, you can't monitor it. You can't regulate it. If the images, if they connect with the image, it's going to be out there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you or not you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be out there. Yeah. So, I've, I pretty much have come to a halt with uh, providing imagery for that level of the market. Um, I'm hoping that with my, you know, coffee table book and different things come out, 
that I'll have things at a price point that, you know, the general public can go ahead and consume. But as of right now, I've kind of had to put a hold on that. Uh, so now, you know, my price point probably starts, uh, you know, it's, you know, um, well, you can get limited edition offset paper stuff for like a hundred dollars to and up, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not that bad, you know. It's it's just that the open edition stuff, I've just had to just, you know, the classic work, I keep it in rotation as long as people want it. I have to archive some of it because it is it's too much to just keep in stock. Yeah. Um and just stream and that's a, yeah that's know. a whole business yeah, by yeah, itself yeah. yeah keeping that stuff up yeah <laughs> yeah you gotta streamline it you know so <laughs> um like the Disney Vault you know, you, you know re-release <laughs> yeah, yeah. um yeah reimagine you know and stuff like that um and so what's the so tell me about the levels you got the the offset open edition stuff does it move strictly to limited edition G clays no it goes to offset open edition okay. then you got offset limited sign the number so you you have they won't be the same image but you have images that are in that capacity as well and that's from like a hundred dollars to usually 100 to 250 dollars is the price point for that as those editions sell out though they go up in value as well yeah so uh, i have open editions that are like 1300 dollars now that's crazy i mean limited offset limited i'm not opens opens are like 40 40 45 dollars yeah um and then from the offset limited, then you go into the Jaclay. Uh Jaclay, um, uh, they start at five hundred to There's three paper or canvas? Canvas. Okay. Five hundred to three thousand is the Jaclay price point. Um, depending on the 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 image, the you know, the size, you know, different things like that. Yeah. Now, what I did different initially from most of the market, uh, African American market, art market, was I was embellishing all the Jaclays, mm. uh, hand embellishing them to basically um, separate it, you know, um, because everything from the prior generation was kind of behind glass. You know, you had matting and framing right, and, right. you know, all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, that was a standard kind of thing back right. in the day. And so I wanted to create something that had texture, that caught a little light. You know, I may do a little acrylic acrylic embellishing on there. Uh, so you had some actual pigment on there to illuminate the highlights. You know, I spent maybe 20, 30 minutes on it. You know, um, but that kind of created a product that separated from everything in the market. Um, and you know, start to, you know, have other artists to do the same thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, kind of force them to. Yeah, it's well, like, I mean, look what Wack doing yeah, over here. Like, know, you gotta... Yeah, well, I think that that's, I mean, you know, it's survival too, you know, yeah. brother. I mean, you got to, you don't want to, like, as you go, you don't want to get phased out. Like, just keep it 100. You know, you don't you don't want to get phased out. So what, what I'm trying to do is bring the best product I can to, most of my collectors are people of color. So I want to bring the best product that's available in the marketplace. So I usually, I, I, I literally, uh, the guy workshop that I use, a um, guy named Tracy Rogers, he's out in um, Columbus, Georgia. And he's probably last two years, he's been the Ben Franklin Award recipient for printing. Wow. He's like the best. And um, he printed uh uh, Thomas Kincaid's work, uh, Blackshear, you know, Greenwich Workshop, you know, he he does all their jaclays. Yeah. And so Hallmark had a fine art division. I met them uh, when I went out there for a meeting for um greeting card thing. It just kind of fell through. Uh, it wasn't a good offer. And I took a tour 
And when I took the tour, I saw the fine art department and they actually printed one of my offsets for me. Like they said, just let us print it. Cause when I pulled out a sample, they laughed. <laughs> right. They, I mean, they just, they just laughed. Wow. So I was like, oh, okay, wow. They meant they're cocky. <laughs> so they hit me, they sent me the, you know, the, the print and it was an offset. And I mean, it looked just like the original. And I'm like, whoa, you know, big difference, big difference. Yeah. So I'm like, this is, Closer to what I painted, it may even look better than what I painted, you know. So at that point, I was I was like, man, how can I bring this, you know, to the African American consumer? Mm-hmm. That was my whole thing because I was like, I don't have the kind of money that some of these operations have. Um, you know, let me see if we can make it happen. We we get everything going. I'm working with them. Plant shuts down. Oh, <laughs> had been in in play for forever wow. for generations. <laughs> They shut the plant down because, you know, technology changed the greeting card game. So they just wasn't selling as many greeting cards. Shut the whole plant down. So the guy that was running that division uh, bought all the equipment and opened up a workshop on on his own. And we've been working together since. So we've been probably working together about 12, 13 years now. Um, But another friend of mine that was a graffiti artist that introduced me to the Jaclay process when it first started to hit the market. He knew one of the guys that created the process. Mm. And he gave me a hand-embellished Jaclay for my house. And when he showed it to me, I thought it was an original. Wow. And so he was like, he started laughing. He said, that's not original. I'm like, I don't like nothing but originals in my house. You know what I'm saying? So, and I asked him how he did it. And he showed me. And so I had got in early. And, you know, was really bringing that to the market, you know. Uh, but I knew that I was seeing other artists that had your clays. It was eight to $10,000 wow. in other markets. And so I was just like, yeah, you know, this <laughs> this has to, yeah, you know, do that. this has yeah. to hit, hit our market. Uh, and we have to, you know, like I said, I try to keep myself abreast to um, what's going on. Like a young brother that I just was just here for, like I said, a, a, a dinner art show that was brought into Atlanta. <laughs> you know, he showed me a 3D print that he did, had done. And it had like this concrete texture on there that they had three-dimensionally printed on there. And it was uh, insane, you know. But just seeing stuff like that, it's like, you know, if I'm not yeah, if you're cool not with that, you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm not even going to know this is. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to miss out on the way. And you definitely (laughs) don't want to do that. (laughs) Like you said, like how how important, how how important is it that you maintain your relevancy? Like when you think about it, like I know like you're making for the joy of it, but you're always because of how you're approaching it, always looking to stay in that wave of what's happening so that you never lose it. Well, I think, I mean, some of it is is definitely, you know, uh, I guess a high level of insecurity that just comes from the beginning. Um, you know, you got some education, you mostly self-taught, you know, so you, you, you're you not as comfortable as if you had all your credentials, all your paperwork, right. and, you know. So you're like, okay, am I, am I really this good or are they going <laughs> to expose me one day? So you're really trying to keep that, you know, keep to where you're at. It's almost like, you know, I hate to use this analogy and not an analogy because he got knocked out eventually. But how Mike Tyson had this whole <laughs> say, air he that out. he yeah. would, you know, be winning fights before he even stepped in the ring. Yeah. And so for me, 
I think it was more so when social media came into play, I felt like I had missed that wave. Like mm. most people in my generation, we missed that wave. So, you know, you can ask anybody if they could take pictures of themselves 20 years ago and be uploading them in swimsuits, <laughs> they would. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, I felt like, man, I missed that wave. So my train of thought was let me retrace my steps of how I blew up before you can do it on social media before you can go viral in technology. I had to physically go viral. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, let me take these same type of steps with my social media and start. Cause I, when I first got on social media, I had to basically prove I was who I was. Mm, yeah. And so I'm posting my own paintings, but everybody was posting my paintings. <laughs> so I'm looking like just another fan of my own. So I'm like, okay, let me go in my crates. Let me pull yeah, out the, the sketches. Let me pull out the, yeah, let me pull out the writings. Let me pull out the reference photos. Let me pull out all this stuff that I use to create these paintings. And mm. that's when it started to get traction. And then I realized that it was as much of a how-to platform as it was, you know, right. showing what you're doing type yeah. thing. And so it became very, um, I, I, I understood it when I quickly when I got on it. And I said, okay, you know, this is, this is different. So one of the major things I did was um, I went to the Essence Festival and I said, okay, well, I'll go back because I hadn't been there in 16 years. And I was like, let me go back and, and you know, I was telling my wife, going to go for five years straight just to establish a social media following and a consumer confidence to buy online. This is your clay product at this price point. I need people of color to be able to click and buy for $1,000 and up and feel confident and comfortable with that. Right. So we're going to put ourselves in front of them for five years straight, okay, and build this relationship, you know, and reputation for the product. And this is one of the things that, you know, really kind of worked um, very strong for me. You know, at this point, I met a lot of major collectors that I have now that collect original work. I didn't even have original work at Essence Festival. Mm. I only had your clays, but I was meeting CEOs of major and major people, you know, I don't, no, I've never really sold too many celebrities. Uh, you know, I get more, more corporate, <laughs> you know, thinkers, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, just power people, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what that part is about, but uh, it's cool uh, because, <laughs> you know, we've been able to just develop these, these, you know, relationships that are kind of um, really dope you know um, I like that yeah so. I like that I like that idea and that is because uh, it is a difference between a CEO and a celebrity big yeah. difference in terms yeah. of money in terms of prestige in terms of even who they talk to yeah is different than just yeah somebody that you know from loving hip hop or something yeah. like that you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, and it's, shout out to loving yeah, hip hop loving hip hop yeah shout out <laughs> so it's nothing and, and like I said I, I've worked with several celebrities in my career most probably most notably Bernie Mac but I knew Bernie before he really even like really blew up blew yeah. up you know what I'm saying yeah. so it was our relationship was more of a mutual respect um but he was different you know I worked with some other people who I don't even want to name um, and it was a nightmare. Mm. I seen them go from being cool to just a narcissist, and wow. it was like, wow, this is that's not even what I want. Yeah. And at that point, I stopped even really trying to put my work in front of celebrities because I didn't want the headache. To be honest with you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And if you, I didn't know you would be either you're gonna be as cool as Bernie or you're gonna be like this other guy. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, 
you know, I, I get, you know, quite a few athletes, you know, um, you know, but it's the ones that's got book clubs and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty dope. You know, uh, but it's it's like, uh, and we develop these friendships. It's really dope because I'm probably older than all of them. You know what I'm saying? But we have these really dope friendships and relationships and bonds, you know, and they're great stewards of the art, you know, and, and they're sitting on boards and they're doing the things that uh, I'm coming to find are actually important. And um, so that's that's pretty cool. Nah, that's dope, man. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, man. So, man, we, I can talk to you forever, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we hit the last one, baby. Wrapping it up. Okay. Tell me, tell me about uh, just to wrap it up. Finish off with something really good. Like, tell me about like a a piece that you did that really changed how you were thinking. Like, was there any like one like as you talk about going between seasons? Do you make a piece that changes and you feel like you're in a net in a new season? Were there any pieces like that that really stood and stand out to you? Um mm. I would say when um when Obama was running for president and I did the the the, the right to vote piece. Um oh, and, I love yeah, that the piece. one with the ballot. I box. love that piece. And yeah. um I remember when it came to me and I had um it was initially another piece in my sketchbook and, and I knew that he was running for president and I was like, okay, cool. And it was crazy because I, I got this big piece of wood and it's like maybe seven feet long and I laid it out, right? And Gilbert Young comes by and he's like, I know what you should do. He's like, uh, you, should, you should have people write, write, they, write their thoughts into the background. And so Andre Thompson had uh, Art on Five at that time mm-hmm. down on MLK. And they were having a voter registration drive uh, for the election, right? So I took the piece down there before I started painting it and put it on easel and had people writing their thoughts in there about possibly electing the first black president, right? So then I came back to the studio. I put a wash over it where you could see it through it and the whole nine. And, and this piece, you know, that I actually shot this homeless brother for uh, was the main figure in it. And I had him reaching out you know i you know i paid them and everything and they they were like you know what are we what are we doing and they, you know we're not gonna get locked up because like we're gonna beat us behind you know and so you know and 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 it was just it ended up being a very powerful piece yeah. and i remember when i showed it to the gallery that was representing me and and they loved the piece but they were like man we know we go out on the road and we don't want to have this big old painting you know we don't feel like carrying it out basically wow. you know what i'm saying and so they called me, and this was, I think, right after the ele- after he got elected. They had the Congressional Black Caucus in D.C., and they would exhibit there every year. Mm. And they said, man, you still got that paint? I said, yeah, I got it. They said, we're going to go ahead and take it to the Congressional Black Caucus. And they called me while they were there. They were like, man, we ain't, we, we ain't never seen nothing like this before. Wow. They was like, man, from 8-year-olds to 98-year-olds, it's just, you know, they standing here standing at this thing like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like Statue of Liberty or something, you know? And they're like, okay, wow. And so I think that's when I felt like like the gallery could see me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was like I had already did it, but they couldn't see me. And that's that was the, you know, like how we started. That was the most frustrating thing was like, you can't see me. Like, so I'm, 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 
I'm tying down my creativity to fit in the box that you can see. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm not even operating at my full potency. Yeah. Because you want convenience. Mm-hmm. You want it so small that you can carry it around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where I'm creating things that are confrontational that yeah. you got to deal with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, and it's crazy because they're coming to the exhibition and we still do business. And it's it's so deep because it's like, it's a tug of war, mm. you know, like, okay, I need you to see me. Like, I need you up to speed with me. Yeah. You know, you're trying to put me in a stable. Not, I'm not the stable. That's not what I'm here. Yeah. You know, we can actually do this if I can get you to see, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And so, you know, and I'd rather work with that, you know, and I get calls from, you know, galleries and some very nice galleries. But it's not what I want. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I can keep it a buck with you, you know, I want it with, with our people. I really do. You know, um, I don't just want to be a, a, you know, just a commodity with whoever. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's been about, it's been for the culture from day one of my career. Since I was 16, I've been painting and working and creating for black-owned businesses and people of color. Mm-hmm probably 99% of my clientele for the last 35 plus years have been our people. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. So I would love nothing more if I have to have gallery representation that it be with our people. That's just what I would desire. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. If it came down to it, that that's just not what's in the, you know, play cool. But I'm going to hold out for that. Like that's really, you know, <laughs> That really means something to me, not just because it's it's the essence of it. Mm-hmm. It's not is if it was just money, I'd have, I'd have cashed out probably twenty years ago. You know, yeah. I have a brand. You know, I understand how to cash out a brand. I understand how to sell it, multiply it, merchandise it, sign merchandising deals. I know the whole the whole game. It's not about that. What it's about is impact empowerment and enlightenment you know that's what it's about not just to myself but creatives of all cultures from every walk of life to understand their own power like at the end of the day you're doing something that's so powerful that you can take something that's blank put it out in the world and shift the world Mm. that's an extremely powerful gift you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. that's where your boy is at. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they don't get no better than that now. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, we got Kevin Williams, man. Tell them where they can find you, man, when they're looking for you. Oh well, uh, Instagram Art by Wack A R T B Y W A K. Uh, if anybody on Facebook, you know, I check in periodically. You know, you kind of get you know sad on Facebook, but uh, Kevin Wack Williams. Um, and if not us, who? November 5th, Mint Gallery. Mint Gallery. ATL. Atlanta, Georgia. That's it, yo. It's the man. Find it on Eventbrite. We yeah. added some more RSVPs. They sold out. We added added some more. We you gotta check to get it some out. more space. You gotta check it out. Gotta see it. The the powerful, the legendary Kevin Wack Williams, man. Appreciate you coming uh, on the show, thank bro. Thank you so much, Jamal and Studio Noise. Appreciate you. That's it. 
another episode of Studio Noise in the bag. Big shout out to Wack Kevin Williams coming on the show. Good luck on the show, like he needed. He don't need no. <laughs> don't need luck. It's Kevin. Yo, next week we got my belly on the podcast. Tattoo artist, artist, painter, business extraordinaire. Good information for you on the show. And to all my artists out there, I right, work on your foreshortening. That's what we, people have a problem with it. You only get better if you do the work. You only work when you're making that noise. That's it, baby. Another episode down. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.